Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. So this morning, uh, we're going to begin a, a new journey here, and uh, it is about our growth in Christ. And uh, we're going to be exploring this uh, doctrine of, of Christian growth and uh, what it means to grow. And uh, I think this morning and even just for a few more weeks uh, past this, we're going to kind of really lay the foundation of what Christian growth is. Uh, I believe it's important to understand doctrine as far as uh, what uh, Scripture teaches. Those are the doctrines of, of the Word. Of, on particular subjects. Because if you don't have the right doctrine, then the practical side of that uh, will be skewed. So your doctrine really does affect your philosophy, how you actually live things out. And so we're gonna really deal with a lot of the doctrinal sides of uh, Christian growth, what it is, what it looks like, uh, how it's uh, given to us in scripture. But then the weeks to follow, uh, we're going to start giving you more of the practical sides of actually how we grow, how uh, God uses things in our life to actually grow. And uh, we'll also have uh, some opportunities for a couple other uh, guest speakers to speak on this. And I think it'll be very helpful uh, to you as well. And so today, we're going to introduce this awesome aspect of, of Christian growth and this Christian life and how we're actually supposed to be living this out, walking it out uh, here in our lives. And uh, this is what I'd really like for you to take away with you this morning. If I am a Christian, then I am to be holy. If I am a Christian, then I am to be holy. So let's take a look here. First, number one, growth is what God uses to make us holy. When we consider this topic of growth, what is growth? How does the Bible define it? Practically speaking, growth should be the goal of the believer in Christ. Consider some of these verses here. 2 Peter chapter 3.18, it tells us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, we're supposed to be like newborn infants longing for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Be filled with the knowledge of his will, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians chapter two, verses six through seven. 
rooted and built up in him. Ephesians chapter three, verses 17 through 19, rooted and grounded in love, filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 through 24, put off your old self and to put on the new self is what those scriptures teach us. Galatians 4, 19, till Christ be formed in you. In James chapter one, verses two through four, trials help us so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But really, what is growth? Most of you that have children, I'm sure that you've probably seen this as well. Uh, I've recently looked at some pictures of Evelyn when she was six months or four months, and I'm going, is that the same kid? And then I look at her now and I go, what happened here? What, how, what, what happened? I mean, it didn't happen overnight, right? It was a time, a process that uh, took her to get her to the stage that she was at. So what really is growth? How do we know if we are growing? Let me give you a word that is found in God's word that helps us understand Christian growth. Are you ready for it? Sanctification. Sanctification. It's a Bible word. The doctrine of sanctification or growth is probably one of the most misunderstood doctrines of the Christian faith. Some people don't want to talk about it, and so they avoid it. Sometimes people have had some really gross misrepresentations of it and uh, have found themselves uh, brought into uh, some real fanatical groups about it. Uh, so if we are to understand growth as a Christian, we need to understand what God uses to cause this growth and what he uses is a thing called sanctification. So what is sanctification? Some people believe and stress the idea that sanctification is removing moral evil from a person's life. This would be like doing certain things or not doing certain things, saying having a list of do's and don'ts. And so therefore, if I do these certain things or I don't do these certain things, then therefore... I am sanctified, and we're going to remove moral things, uh, moral evils out of our lives. Uh, unfortunately, I was a part of a church for several years, even grew up in this uh, particular denomination that stressed this type of, of belief that somehow if you could remove moral evil out of a person's life, then therefore they would uh, be sanctified. Uh, then there are others that believe that sanctification is a state of holiness in which a Christian is not able to sin any longer. Perhaps you've heard of the term sinless perfection. That's yeah, uh, where a lot of that comes from. The scriptures do not teach that sanctification is the improvement of the sinful nature, nor that it is the eradication of the sinful nature, thereby allowing a Christian never to sin ever again. Sanctification is not a single act, but a continuous process. Just like how a child, when does that child completely grow up, completely, fully mature? Well, when is that? 
When does the process end? Never, right? <laughs> when he gets to heaven, yes. So sanctification is a process, it's a continual process of growth that God is using in our lives. Now let me give you a biblical definition of the word sanctify or sanctification. The word simply means to separate or to set apart. Both the Old Testament and New Testament teach this idea of sanctification by using the word holy or holiness. Sometimes when you use that word holy or holiness, we sometimes think about something that, is, that the Bible really doesn't describe, okay? Sanctification then is that sovereign act of God whereby he sets apart a person, a place, or an object for himself in order that he might accomplish his purpose in the world by means of that person, place, or object. In other words, we see all this throughout scripture continually. Let me give you a few examples of this. Number one, a day can be sanctified or a day can be made holy, okay? Genesis chapter two, verse number three. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, okay? He chose a certain day and said, I'm gonna set this day apart for myself and he made it holy. He sanctified it, he set it apart. Secondly, a building and its contents can be sanctified, God said in Exodus chapter 39, 44, and I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. It was set apart for God's particular use. Numbers chapter seven, verse number one says, and it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof and had anointed them and sanctified them. He set them apart. He used them for his particular purpose. Number three, the house in which a man lives can be sanctified. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 14 says, and when a man shall sanctify his house to be holy unto the Lord, then the priest shall estimate it, whether it be good or bad. As the priest shall estimate it, so shall it stand. We find that a mountain can be sanctified. Exodus chapter 19, 23, and Moses said unto the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, set bounds about the mount and sanctify it, set it apart. Make it holy unto the Lord. It is for the Lord's use. Now, in all these examples that I just gave you, the meaning of the word sanctify is used to set it apart for holy purposes. Think about this building here. In a way, we have sanctified this building. We have set it apart for a certain particular use. We're not gonna come in here and have bingo night or... Uh, you know, spin the roulette wheel or play blackjack in here, right? We have set it apart for a certain particular use, okay? We're not gonna open it up for a strip club, okay? This has been set apart for a certain particular use, okay? An interesting passage in the book of Isaiah shows that men can actually sanctify themselves or set themselves apart to do evil, Isaiah chapter six, 66, verse 17 says, 
they that sanctify and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith the Lord. You know, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ was sinless and therefore he was free from all moral impurity. And yet he even prayed himself, listen to what he said in John 17, 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. In other words, I have set myself apart to do what God wants for my life. So he was testifying that he was set apart to fulfill God's will for his life. Sanctification is used with reference to God in Ezekiel 36, 23. He says, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. And so God himself sanctifies his own name. He sets it apart for his own particular use and purpose. So what is growth then? Growth is the process in which God separates me to accomplish his purpose in my life. That's what growth is. That's what Christian growth is. The day that you trusted Christ as your savior, God sets you apart for his own particular use and purpose so that he might accomplish his will in your life. So with the understanding of what growth or sanctification is, let's build upon this to see how God uses sanctification in our life. Now remember, this is all doctrinal. This is understanding what the Bible teaches about growth, about sanctification, how he uses it in our life. And we'll get to the practical side here uh, in the coming weeks. So let me look at the first one here. We are holy positionally. In other words, we are sanctified positionally and we are declared holy positionally. When we talk about our sanctification, it's good to understand how it works in the life of the believer. As we just saw, places, objects can be sanctified, they can be set apart or they could be made holy for God's purpose. But how does this work in the life of the believer? The first one here is that we are holy positionally. This is what God has done in our salvation. The Holy Spirit did this in which he sets apart every saved person. When you come to faith in Christ and you repent of your sins and you believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit immediately sets you apart and declares you are now declared holy. You are sanctified positionally. Philippians chapter one, verse number six says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Christ began a work in you the moment that you trusted Christ. You were sanctified, you were set apart, you were declared holy, sanctified positionally. It's an amazing thing to think about how God worked all of that in our salvation. The moment that we believed, the moment that we said yes to Christ. 
Hebrews chapter 13, 12 says this, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Think about that. When Christ went to the cross and they took him out of the city of Jerusalem, outside of the gates of the city, that's where criminals were crucified. They were outside the gates. Christ goes outside of the city and there he was set apart for our sanctification through his blood. Hebrews chapter 10, 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The once for all sacrifice. God's son purchased the once for all sanctification for the sinner. Once, that's it. One time, that's it. Hebrews chapter 10, 14 says, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He's perfected you forever. The moment, the day that you trusted Christ as your savior. Apart from the atoning blood of Christ, man could not be set apart to God. It's an impossibility. Christ had to shed his blood for our sins. But the moment we receive God's son, we are said to be in him. Do you know that phrase, in him, is used more than 70 times in the scriptures that we are found to be in him, in Christ, in him. We've been set apart for him, in him. We've been declared holy positionally. And it's an unchangeable position because it is God who sets us apart. Did you do it? No, you didn't. God did it. And it's unchangeable. He set us apart to himself. And so we are sanctified by the blood of Christ. So who then are the sanctified? Well, all those who have received Christ as their savior. Jude chapter one, verses uh, one through two says this, and I love this. Listen, listen to these words. To those who are called, wrapped in the love of God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be lavished on you. Boy, isn't that comforting? This is every Christian's position, irregardless of how long or how short you have been saved, irregardless of how much you know of the Bible or how little you know of the Bible. It's irregardless of how spiritual you think you are or how less of spiritual you think you are. Listen to what Jude says again. To those who are called, wrapped in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, May mercy, peace, and love be lavished on you. So if you've trusted Christ to save you, then you have been set apart once for all. You are God's sanctified one. How does a person become holy or sanctified? It's totally through the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Ephesians chapter two, verse one says. It tells us that we were spiritually dead, right? Dead spiritually, alienated from the life of God, Ephesians 4.18. Do 
Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I am come that they might have life. How do we receive that life? Well, the answer is very simple. When the person repents of their sin and they believe the gospel, he then receives the Holy Spirit. He receives this new life. And so when we're saved, we become partakers as what uh, the Bible teaches us in 2 Peter 1.4, that we become partakers of the divine nature. God, the Holy Spirit, enters the life and he takes up permanent residence. Jesus said in uh, John 14, 16 through 17, then I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, to be with you sometimes, only when you feel like it, when days are going good, no. He says, I will be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be with you. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts who calls Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 2 Timothy 1.14 says, protect that good thing entrusted to you through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Now I understand we have people here from different church backgrounds and perhaps you may have been taught or perhaps maybe you still hold to a teaching that if a child of God sins, he or she will lose their position in Christ by the Holy Spirit withdrawing himself. I wanna give you something to think about. Our Lord said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Forever. If sin in a believer could cause the Holy Spirit to depart from that believer, and in turn cause that believer to lose their salvation. And if that person would lose their salvation, then according to Hebrews chapter six, verses four through six, that person could never be saved again, never. Listen to what Hebrews six, four through six says. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened tasted the heavenly gift, become partakers of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God and the miracles of the coming age, and then have committed apostasy to renew them again to repentance since they are crucifying the Son of God for themselves all over again and holding him up to contempt. The writer of Hebrews says, if it were possible, that you could do that, he said, then it would never be possible for that person to ever be saved again. 
The believer's positional sanctification is a permanent sanctification because of the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So if you know Christ, if you have believed in Christ, you are a child of God. He dwells in you. You've been set apart for his particular use and purpose. And it's God's perfect will for your life. And he desires for you to grow in him. So that's what Christ has done in your life at the moment of salvation. He sets you apart positionally. You've been declared holy. Here's the second thing. We are to become holy. Now, this is the practical side of, of sanctification. We are to become holy. This is practically and progressively. At the moment of salvation, not only do we become separated for God's purpose and use, but then we are to grow in that purpose and in that use practically and progressively, continually, right? It doesn't, it's not stagnant. It, it's, it's a continual growth. God's word tells us that we are to pursue holiness in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. So this practical sanctification is something that we have a choice in doing. We, we, in a way, we somewhat partner with God and grow in our holiness, okay? Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 12 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So if you've been set apart for God's use, God now says, I've set you apart. This is what you're supposed to do. Renounce ungodliness. Live upright lives in this present age. That is something that you have a part in doing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 through 22 says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Here's some other verses that teach this idea that we are to be growing practically. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, you yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 11 tells us that we are to be conducting our, our lives in holiness and godliness. Romans 12.1 tells us that we are to be presenting our uh, bodies as a living sacrifice. This is all part of sanctification. This is all part of growth. This is all part of us being set apart for God's use and us practically and progressively following the teachings of God's word, obeying what the word says, and giving ourselves over to God's use and purpose. None of these scriptures promise an eradication of sin. You're still gonna have sin in your life. You're still gonna sin. 
but they do exhort the believer to self-dedication and surrender to God. In short, God's word teaches the believer that if you are sanctified positionally, then live it out practically. He says, if you have been saved, then live like it. Actually live it out. Do what the scriptures teach and command you to do. These are day-to-day decisions and yieldings that all of us must make in our lives every single day. Every single day you wake up and you know what you look at in the mirror? You see that old man staring right back at you. And it's a decision you have to make. Am I going to yield my life to Christ today? Or am I going to yield myself to the flesh and the sinful desires today? Every single day, every decision you make. All of us struggle with it. I I myself do. Yeah. I get home, take off my shoes just like you do. Go to the refrigerator. Look inside, go, oh man. I make decisions just like you do every single day. So this is a practical, progressive sanctification and it's gonna help the believer to choose to sin or not to sin. And this is important because every child of God, as long as he is in this body, is still able to sin. That's why I say it's important to understand this doctrine of sanctification because I believe sometimes believers can fall into this habit or this trap of they may sin and they go, oh man, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And they begin to, be, to feel terrible about what they've done and maybe they start to think, oh man, boy, if, if, if really I was a Christian, I wouldn't have done this. You read throughout all of the scriptures, you find men and women who followed God and yet they still did things that we would never think about doing. And yet those people still followed Christ and followed God. 1 John 1.8 says this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So God's word does not teach sinless perfection. So we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's a continual process of growth. So we're new creatures in Christ and everything is becoming new practically, progressively. Might struggle with certain types of sinful habits, We all do. I do. So what do we do about those? Well, the word tells us what to do. And we have a choice. We have an option. We say, okay, I can either believe the word and actually start obeying it, or I could just not obey it, right? So it's progressive. It's practical in that sense. And this growth is is never complete on this earth. It's a lifelong process. This growth changes daily perhaps even hourly, something that we grow in continually, continually, continually. Let me give you the last thing here. We will be holy one day. 
perfected and perspective. We will be holy, perfected and perspective. Positionally, we are holy at the moment of salvation. Then as we yield our lives to Christ, we, the practically and the progressively, we grow in our sanctification. But this last one, one day we will be holy. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you. Notice the word holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This last part of our sanctification, we won't experience until Christ returns. When Christ returns, the Bible teaches here in 1 Thessalonians that we'll be changed. The moment, the twinkling of an eye. Everything about who you are will be changed, glorified, completely holy. Say, what's that like? I don't know. Can you imagine what it'll be like to think pure and holy thoughts? For your only desire would be to serve Christ. We'll be holy, completely sanctified. This word holy here is an interesting word. It's found only here in the New Testament. It's made up of two words. It means complete and end. So the ideas of wholeness and completion are in view here, meaning entire sanctification through and through, the whole of you, every part of you. It means to be complete and sound in every part. In Jude 24, it speaks of the day when Christ will present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, and we will be holy forever. First John 3, 2 says this, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that whenever it is revealed, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. So knowing that, knowing that one day we will be like Christ, knowing that one day we will be holy, holy, right? We'll be completely glorified. What does that mean for us? Because right now, this is where we live, right here and now, right? It means that we are to be striving and growing in our sanctification. These are the practical day-to-day decisions that we make in our life every single day, okay? We're gonna spend some more time on this in the following weeks and we're gonna kind of really go through about this practical side of it and uh, then we'll give you some things practically as, as far as growing in Christ, okay? Well, let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.